As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Good morning and welcome to the Daily Ding. Happy Thursday, everybody. We've got all your action covered from Ed just... Absolutely slammed Wednesday night in the NBA. I'm Dave DeFour. I'm joined as I am every Thursday by my co-host, Andrew Schlecht. What's up, Andrew? Are you staying warm? I'm trying, man. Uh, we're, we're making it work. Just got to get to Friday. Get me to Friday. Dude, that's the question that everybody has asked me over the last couple of days. And I appreciate that. But yeah. no, I am not staying warm. It was negative 10 here. <laughs> <laughs> so dumb. There is no warmth. I only had one frozen pipe. Um, you know, we, you and I talked the other day, like checking in on each other, and you were like, oh, I caught a frozen pipe. And yeah. Andrew, I got to tell you, I think that you saved me a plumbing bill because Did you I? got okay. me. Yes, you got me to go check all of my, you know, ancillary. Like, I've got a bathroom that I just don't use because it needs mm-hmm. to be refurbished. And I went and checked it, and that bathroom had a frozen pipe. Thank you. Hey. Hey, anytime. To save the day. Save the day. Also, friend of the program from Fast Break Breakfast, Keith Parrish. What's up, Keith? What's up, Dave? What's up, Andrew? Thanks for having me. Yeah. um, So we're actually, oddly enough, recording this in the morning, which we we never do. Uh, Keith, what did you have for breakfast today? Oh, not to let down people, but I've only had black coffee. Just coffee is all I've been having so far. That's a a very Dave breakfast. Okay, guys. So... (laughs) Uh, the league every single night it feels like there's 20 games, and that that don't count them because it's not accurate. But last night it felt like every game was pretty good. Uh, yeah. I want to start with what's happening in Portland because Damian Lillard just continues to just be ridiculous, and they win another game. And, and you know they were struggling to start the season. They've turned it around. They now have the fifth best record in the league. They beat the Pelicans on a good night for the Pelicans. And he's just been ridiculous on this run. He's he has brought them back, and this is without Nurkic. This is without without CJ McCollum. And he's brought them to now the fifth best record in the league. Damian Lillard is an MVP candidate. I don't disagree at all. They beat Philly, Dallas, OKC, the Pelicans on this on this uh, winning streak, and Dame has been unstoppable. It doesn't matter who it is. I mean, he absolutely destroyed Lou Dort the other night in OKC. He put up 43-16 and 16 
against Portland. 16 is a, I believe, tying a uh, career high in assists. And he's doing it with guys like Carmelo Anthony and Ennis Cantor as like very key contributors to this team. I mean, he is, he definitely is a part of the conversation for the MVP and he should absolutely start the all-star game. He's been unbelievable. I love that Andrew was saying Damian Lillard has been unbelievable. He's done this against Lou Dort. I mean, hey, I, I mean, I know I Lou mean, Dort's a good defender, but the, the list of like impressive people Damian Lillard's done with, if it starts with Lou Dort, <laughs> I'm, I, I, I'm amused by that. Oh, I mean, oh, that's pretty Keith, good, though. Come on. Oh, come on. <laughs> it's pretty good. Listen, Lou Dort is, I mean, well recognized as one of the better guard defenders in the league. Sure. Okay. But when we're talking MVP candidates, he's like, he's gone mano a mano <laughs> with Lou Dort. Hey, Le- LeBron no airballed on Dort. That's Come on right, now. That's right. That's right. Lou got that's LeBron. True. No, you're right. I mean, Damian Lillard has been so impressive. And like you say, it's the supporting cast where in the offseason, you know, hipster podcasters like myself are like, oh, this is incredible. They got Derek Jones Jr. And, and, and Robert Covington <laughs> is the perfect fit on the wing. And all these guys are not really doing that much. And like you said, CJ McCollum is out. And Nurkic is out, and Damian Lillard is still going supernova. So yeah, he's been unbelievable. So it, it, this game, this game was interesting. Um, down the stretch, Zion was getting every single thing he wanted. I mean, he had 15 free throws in this game, 36 points, just unstoppable. I mean, human wrecking ball stuff. And the last play with with New Orleans down two, looking to tie. Did not involve Zion Williamson at all. At all. And I cannot wrap my head around this. What you know, Brandon Ingram had a rough night from the field, four of twelve. And mm. and look, if if it's if that's a situation where you're gonna go to Brandon Ingram, I don't care if he's four of twelve or you know, fourteen of twelve. But Zion was just cooking, and Portland had no answer for Zion. Why aren't they running stuff for Zion in in crunch time like that? I mean you know, he's constantly just looking for buckets off of other people's stuff. It's why he's so efficient, because he he's catching the defense off guard. But, man, run some plays for the guy. It seems like recently the Pelicans have been letting Zion even bring the ball up sometimes and let him have the ball on the perimeter to let him do just kind of take his man off the dribble against the Grizzlies on Tuesday night. Like, the Grizzlies had no answer. They, they would come set a screen for Zion. He would blow by everybody for a layup. If they didn't set a screen, screen, he would just blow by everybody for a layup. And so maybe that's something just the Pelicans have to get used to. You know, end of game, it's traditionally the ball's always in the hands of the guards and, you know, the point guards, and the guards feel like they have to make a move. And, like, obviously Brandon Ingram, you know, he, he's been a closer in his time uh, on the Pelicans at the end of games. But, you know, maybe it was just for some reason they didn't want to give Zion, like, an isolation play or didn't feel like that was their best option. But... Yeah, it certainly raises the question, why wasn't he involved with the game he was having? Well, New Orleans just is involved in the conspiracy to make Damian Lillard MVP. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, that's what this is. <laughs> so, you know, Zion, Zion had a, another excellent game. I, I do think people are maybe they're going too far on the Zion hate stuff. You know, like the defense isn't good, but... This guy is still one of the most efficient scorers that's ever been in the NBA. He scores like Shaq. Yeah. He's in year two. He's in year two. This is like year year seven or something where it's like, oh my gosh, like this guy's not living up to expectations. I mean, he's 
he's been great lately, and he's still they're still trying to identify the really who he is as an NBA player. And then also, I still don't love the fit of this Pelicans team. I still still don't think that it optimizes who he is. So uh, let's let's cool it on Zion for a little while. Also, yeah, keep yeah. in mind he he's still younger than Lou Dort. So I want to keep that in, in perspective. <laughs> he, can, he can still hit the heights of a Lou Dort. That's right. Yeah, if, if things just, go there's well. There's still time to grow. Just not defensively. Like I, I don't have any any expectations of that. Um, Gary Trent Jr. had a pretty good game. Uh, I have pointed to Gary Trent Jr. being you know a bigger piece of, of what Portland's doing as part of their turnaround. That dude is going to make I don't know twenty million dollars a year after this year. I mean, he, he's going to get some serious money. He had 23 points in this game, doing more stuff off the dribble than I even realized he had, you know, kind of in his game. What are they going to do when C.J. McCollum comes back? Because, I, I like, I'm not one of these guys that thinks you need to trade C.J. McCollum, but you clearly need a role for Gary Trent Jr. And sliding him up to guard bigger guys, I don't think that that's the best way to use him. What do they do? I mean, they're going to have to bring him off the bench, I guess. I mean, you you have to start him, right? So you can play him enough minutes. So you're I mean, my, playing three small—well, not small guards, but you know, three smaller guys. It's. I mean, I that's that's been Portland's problem the whole time, right? I mean, it's it's just kind of the way you have to deal with. And he's clearly one of their best players. You just have to play him and just and hope that they can keep up on defense. They they probably won't be able to, but I don't know. I think you're right that they they have to play Gary Trent more. He's been kind of the release valve for Dame whenever he drives and that you got you have to keep him out on the court. I mean, I think if the Trailblazers just adjust and I know Anthony Simons, Anthony Simons has been playing well, but like you know, you cut his minutes out because Gary Trent Jr. has been playing yeah. so well and if when CJ McCollum's back. I mean, I, I mean you're, you're right, Dave, thinking about how much money Gary Trent Jr. is going to make. It's it's kind of amazing to remember going into the bubble in Orlando last year. He was still basically I mean, not unknown, but he, he like he hadn't accomplished any of this stuff that you know he, he's shown since then. Like he was on fire in the bubble, and then now he's carried that over. And with CJ going down, he's just been, yeah, earning himself a nice future paycheck. And I mean, I think this just bolsters that Damian Lillard MVP case, right? They're missing two of their three best players. Damian Lillard's averaging thirty points a game. He's shooting almost forty percent from three. On four makes a game, uh, you know, 7.7 assists. And, and we know about how he is at the end of games, right? Like he has the reputation for a reason, and he's been doing that all year. And during this run, I mean, he's not the number one guy for MVP for me. I think that that's LeBron or Joel Embiid. Um, but I'm not sure. I think I probably have him over Jokic at this point. He's just on a better yeah. team. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you have that better record, I think that certainly matters. I mean, they're fourth. They're fourth in the West. That 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 seems illogical that he, they're above all these teams, and but they are. They've they've been that good. They're eighteen and ten. I mean, in the Eastern Conference, they would be an elite team, right? I mean, this is this is pretty crazy. Yeah, I I think Jokic has a you know there there is a an argument that the Nuggets have I mean I guess they haven't missed as many players as the Trailblazers but like their lineup is so different every game you never know who's going to be playing with them if it's R J Hampton you know out there and so Jokic just 
kind of breaking all these statistical marks uh, for efficiency and being totally unstoppable, where it feels like a lot of the time he doesn't have help. I know Jamal Murray has come up big a lot of times, but like, you know, you don't know if Will Barton's going to play, if Gary Harris is going to be available, if Michael Porter Jr. is going to be available. So, I mean, what Jokic's done has also been amazing, but, you know, maybe Dame with the number of kind of clutch moments and huge games he's had, at least narrative wise, that kind of puts him over. But, I mean, you, I guess you can't go wrong either way with those guys. Well, let's jump over and talk about the, the Nuggets game because they lost to the Wizards. And, you know, if you've been watching the Wizards lately, they are showing that they were always a better team than they were. I don't think that they're a good team by any stretch, but they were never as bad as the, as it looked, you know, when they went a couple weeks without playing games and they had guys in and out of the lineup. I don't know that any team's been hit as hard as the Wizards has from health and safety protocols. So they're actually starting to get their feet under them. Bradley Beal has been on a crazy run. Mm-hmm. The guy the guy is, you know, he's an all-NBA player this year. I think that's safe to say. He's an all-star. Yeah. And he's <laughs> and he's leading the league in scoring. And yeah, he, the Nuggets and the Nuggets, I thought they did okay guarding him last night. So, you know, defensively, they're they have their their moments, but they still gave up 130 in regulation to the Wizards. Yeah, they got up 39-19 at the toward the end of the first quarter and they just let down is what happened. And they even talked about it. Uh, Jokic said that they didn't play defense uh, and they just couldn't have that many let-ups in a game moving forward. And they they just let go of the rope. They thought, okay, these Wizards are going to lay down. They've been doing it all year. And they didn't. Davis Bertans woke up. He finally got in shape last night and was unbelievable for them. A career-high 35 points. He had nine three-pointers. Nine on his own. He was unbelievable. He said after the game, this is the most Davis Bertans quote ever, my shots are falling and sometimes there's not much the defense can do. Just a, <laughs> usually that's a somebody saying that about you, but to say that about yourself is is very, very on brand for Bertans. Hey, he's the most confident shooter in the league. He, he is. I think some people would be surprised by that, but he definitely is. I think it's funny that some Wizards fans were like upset. I saw some people upset on Twitter when Bertans was put in the starting lineup a couple games ago over Denny Avdia, mm-hmm. and they were like, Avdia's been playing great. What, what has Bertans done? It's like, well, obviously, Scott Brooks is trying to figure out a way to unlock Davis Bertans, who's been really struggling. And they're like, well, Avdia's shooting 42% from three. It's like, well, yeah, Bertans shoots 42% from three for his career. They want to find that again. This guy does it on eight attempts per game. And like they still, you know, they're still mixing and matching, trying to figure out what the best lineup is. I know that they tried Mo Wagner for a while at center and they've been starting Garrison Matthews, but it it does show, I guess Scotty Brooks has, you know, he, he he had to shake up the lineup and at least they finally got like a huge game for Bertans, like a a game they were anticipating, you know, when they signed him to the big deal over the off season. Yeah, if Russ is going to be successful with the Wizards, they have to have Bertans on the floor with him, spacing. Right. Yeah, and Russ has Russ has been better uh, with the better shooting around him. I mean, to me, that's really the only way if you're going to unlock this Wizards team at all. Well, and you just paid Davis Bertans a ton of money. Yeah, right. Like it behooves you to get him going. You need that guy to play, um, and and if for no other reason, then you just don't want dead money sitting on your books and. I don't think Davis Bertans was dead, but he certainly uh, was alive in that game. Nine of eleven came down the stretch, and, and 
you know, after an absolutely embarrassing second quarter for the Nuggets, they finished the game in embarrassing fashion. Jamichael Green just, I mean, what was the foul? I Like, I watched this on the highlight this morning. And because I thought this game was just going to be over when I flipped away from it last night. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm still trying to figure out what Jamichael Green thought he was doing there. I think he was dreaming that he was Roy Hibbert and he was going for the Roy vertical. I mean, for the for the verticality play. I mean, the final possession, the final play, the the you know the foul with a tenth of a second left. Like that's just one of those unfortunate plays where the NBA has legislated that basically anything a defender does is a foul. It was absolutely a foul based on the rules of the NBA. But Jermichael Green, he was just trying to you know go straight up and do verticality, but he was drifting through the air, and Bradley Beal was smart in getting that contact. The Wizards announcer was like, I love that Bradley Beal uh, forced the official to make a call, which I was like, you can love that the Wizards won the game, but don't tell me you love like your basketball games coming down to throwing yourself into the defender and getting the foul. Like, <laughs> and shooting I, free throws, yeah. Right, right. I mean, again, love that your team won. Good job by Bradley Beal pulling out the victory, but don't tell me aesthetically you love the game's coming down to throwing yourself on the ground and forcing the official to blow the whistle. Yeah, I to- totally agree. Because it it could have ended in like just outstanding fashion because Jamal Murray was m- taking and making these shots at the end of the game that you were just like, okay, this is great. Now we have like this Bradley Beal, Jamal Murray battle. Here we go. And then, yeah, he gets to the free throw <laughs> line. And it was like, wah, wah. Yeah. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Um, okay, so moving on to the battle of this podcast, uh, the, the Memphis Grizzlies beat the Thunder last night, and and this is sort of the perfect outcome here because, you know, one of the big themes that we have on this on this show, this episode at least, with me and Andrew, is feels like Oklahoma City plays every Wednesday night, and they are a little bit too good sometimes, and it, it really distresses Andrew quite a bit when they win some of these games <laughs> and you know yeah. and with Memphis you know listen they can get caught sometimes and it was to me it was good to see that Memphis was able to win this game without Desmond Bain and DeAnthony Melton uh, but it was also good that once again the Oklahoma City Thunder have a competitive game and still lose this is like the perfect 
mix for tanking right here, uh, Schlecht. I, I, your guys are pulling it off. They're doing it. It was it was great. It was there's no battle here. It was wonderful. The Grizzlies got what they wanted. The Thunder got what they wanted. It's just a wonderful exchange between two NBA teams. Yeah, the Thunder got all their young guys developing a bunch of bad habits, taking a bunch of bad shots. <laughs> bad habits? What bad habits they, are we talking about as, here, Keith? I know, I know, I know Baisley was on fire. It was just pure green light from Dort, our man Lou Dort. Just shoot whenever you want, yeah, brother. Man. Just work out whatever you're trying to work on in the gym. Do that in game. <laughs> like I think I think you'll be able to turn that off in the future once we have a little more talent. No, it, it was it was a little hairy as a Grizzly fan because the Thunder were making all their three pointers. And mm-hmm, the Grizzlies yeah. are, you know, they're a middle of the road team and they can definitely trip up against lesser talented teams. So it, w- it was kind of tense, but at least at least we're all happy. Thunder fans got yeah. their extra um, lottery ball. Oh, wait, no, they don't. It's all the lottery. They're flattened. So it doesn't really matter that much. But uh, <laughs> no, everyone's, gotta, everyone's no, happy. No, 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 no. We got we to gotta get in the bottom five. Get, okay. That's, okay. Yeah. We so, got to get there. One of the big things that like I liked about this game was I liked some of the lineup combinations that Oklahoma City was running out. I actually really enjoyed that starting lineup with Maladon and and Shea Gildas Alexander as the in the backcourt. I I thought that that was uh, a very interesting look with a lot of juice off the dribble. Yeah, yeah, it's a really versatile lineup because pretty much everybody can do something. Isaiah Roby, obviously the the lesser of those five, but yeah, like Dort and Baisley and Maladon and Shea can all create something. And so it just, and that's the way the Thunder have operated all year is that everybody is going to contribute. It doesn't matter who touches the ball. If you're open, you're going to shoot it. And they've, they've actually done pretty well with that um, very democratic style of, of offense there, um, even with Shea. And like Shea, he comes back after being out for a few games, only takes 14 shots. Uh, I think Thunder fans would like for him to take more shots and kind of take the reign of being the man, but that's just not been who he is so far in his career. Yeah. Uh, John Morant, triple-double, but not a great shooting game from him. But this is what stars do, Keith. They yeah, I, they cannot shoot, and they find ways to be productive. Right, right. I mean, it, Ja hasn't looked incredibly sharp in the past couple weeks since he returned from his ankle injury. But, you know, it, it is a positive thing when you're you know, an up-and-coming star and you don't play a great game and then you look down at the stat sheet and you're like, oh, triple-double. So, like, that, 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 that is encouraging as a Grizzlies fan and you assume he's going to find his shot again because last year he was one of the more efficient scorers in the NBA. I mean, he was hovering near 50% on his field goal attempts last year and he hasn't done that again in the last few weeks. So, as a Grizzlies fan, as, as you know, you're excited about the highlight plays, you're excited the way he leads the team, you wish maybe um, some of the supporting pieces would come back in DeAnthony Melton and Desmond Bain, and maybe one day uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. and Justice Winslow. But yeah, like, and against the Pelicans when they lost too, like he had a huge scoring game, but still it was like a, a subpar, you know, game for what he could do. So Kyle Anderson at the four, to me, has been not a revelation because I, I think he's always been a four. I mean, I saw it in San Antonio, but he has he has been a different player in Memphis as that nominal four guy. They're going to have some really really interesting choices to make and available lineup options when when Jaron comes back. Do you think that they're going? I mean, he's going to obviously be brought back slowly, but you think they start him right away, or or is this going to be a situation where he's coming off the bench, kind of backing up? Kyle and uh, Jonas Valanciunas. 
I mean, first of all, I think you're, you're allowed to say Kyle Anderson has been a, a revelation. I don't, I don't think okay. that's, I don't think that's shocking. Uh, coming, coming into this season, in six years, Kyle Anderson has scored 18 points in a game four times. <laughs> Over the last seven games, he's averaging 18 points per game, and he's also getting two steals per game, a block per game, four rebounds, four assists. He's shooting 48 percent on three pointers in the last seven games uh, on high volume. Like he, this is the other fun stat that he's like, I think it was. He had eight career games of making two three pointers coming into the year, and he's done it. And he's done it thirteen times this season in twenty four games. So like Kyle Anderson's been awesome. The question: yeah. What happens when Jaron Jackson Jr. comes back? As far as starting, I think Jaron Jackson Jr. will immediately return to the starting lineup. Based on how long they've kept him out, I think they're trying to ramp him up to get into full health. So I think he will immediately return to the starting lineup. Then do you move Kyle Anderson to the three? Like I would think so because of one how well Kyle has played and because Jaron Jackson Jr is a floor spacer. I mean, he might be the best shooting guard the Grizzlies have. But uh, he puts up a massive volume of three-pointers. So it, it is going to be very interesting to see what they do because, you know, Jonas has been playing really well. He's averaging 20 and 12 since he returned from health and safety protocols. But last season, those lineups of Kyle Anderson with Jaron Jackson Jr and Jonas Valančiūnas weren't very effective. So Taylor Jenkins is going to have a big decision to make. I would assume you keep Kyle in the starting lineup just because you got to get him those minutes, and he's been so unbelievable this year. But that's the big question for Grizzlies fans: like, what's going to happen when the team gets healthy? Okay, so I have a big question, and it's not necessarily future Grizzlies related, but but short term, Jonas Valanciunas probably should have been suspended. This this incident with Chemezi Metu, who has now broken his wrist, and and obviously the result that's. Wow, worst case scenario result. He's a two way player. Uh, he's going to be out for a month. Like that could could effectively end his NBA career if if we want to extrapolate here. And now that result shouldn't necessarily be why Jonas Valanciunas is punished. But don't tell me that him throwing Chemezi Metu to the ground is anything close to a basketball play and is anything but dangerous. And violent, whether he breaks his wrist or not, I think JV probably should have been suspended. And look, I I know you, Keith. Uh, I I think that you would probably agree with me there. I, I do agree with you. I was really surprised in the game that he wasn't ejected. I, I mean, as a Grizzlies fan, perhaps I'm a little biased. Like I felt like Metu, he made a play where he knew what was going to happen. Like he purposefully wrapped his legs around Jonas Valanciunas. I see a lot of people arguing like Metu didn't know what he was doing. Like I don't believe that. I basically always think professional athletes know what their bodies are doing at all times, except for a small, <laughs> you know, small minority. Uh, who, who Draymond might, Green. Yeah, who might be a little bit clumsy. Yeah, like Draymond. No, Draymond Green. Exactly. Draymond Green knows when he's kicking someone in the groin. It's not. A, it's not an accident. And so Metu like chose like he dunked on Valanciunas and then chose to like put his legs o- over Jonas's shoulders. But then Jonas's response, while you could understand what Jonas was doing, I thought it was it was like a, a very dangerous play. I mean, we call flagrant fouls when you put your foot under a jump shooter, and and then to have a guy on your back, even if the guy shouldn't have gotten on your back. I was surprised in the moment that Jonas wasn't thrown out for that, and then I was surprised. Uh, maybe because I have PTSD from Zach Randolph getting suspended in the playoffs like two days after the fact, uh, you know, years ago against Andrews OKC Thunder. I was surprised later that 
there wasn't a ruling that Valanciunas uh, was suspended for that play because it was a dangerous play and it was not a basketball play. And I think you could call it a dirty play, even if it's somewhat excused because you sure. knew you knew mm-hmm. Valanciunas was going to try to uh, throw the guy off his back. Like he wasn't going to handle that. And they do legislate based on results a lot. They do say if there's a hard foul and it results in an injury, sometimes that causes the punishment to go up. So I agree with you. I've been surprised that the league didn't suspend him for a game or even fine him or anything. I I just think it's a bad precedent to set. And, and of course, there will be an overreaction from the league on stuff like this going forward because they missed this one. And that's how, you know, that's how everything works in in society pretty much. Um, But this is the sort of stuff that they've been trying to clean up with these flagrant rules. And I think that when you have these landing space violations being called as liberally as they are, and fans are just so out on the flagrant, and and to a certain degree, I, I really understand it. You know, every time someone gets a hit in the face, yeah, I don't know that it necessarily needs to be a flagrant. And I, I'm not saying you need to judge intent, but certainly we could do better than we do currently. Because if that wasn't a, a flagrant, if right, that right, wasn't, right. then what are we even doing? And so, you know, it's too late at this point. They can't, they're not going to go back and, and legislate this. But I think in the future, first of all, respecting the guys in the air is going to be an important thing. I mean, JV could have gotten out of the way. Uh, I'm not saying gotten out of the way on the way up, but he could have gotten out of the way. Um, certainly, Metu probably wouldn't tie his legs around him again. But yeah. even with that, I, I think that throwing the man who was up in the air, suspended, completely unsafe throwing him to the ground it it just we can't have that i agree and the confusing part of it or the hypocritical the hypocritical part of it for the league when the when the rules you know as far as the rules go is the idea you know you would think an airborne player needs to be protected at all costs especially those going to the rim yet we still have charges and we still have people sliding under the dunkers like if grayson allen slid over for a charge and took metu's legs out from under him that's that's a fine thing to try but it's a flagrant mm-hmm. foul to put your foot under a, a jump shooter. That part is so is so strange to me. Where we still incentivize people undercutting airborne shooters and dunkers, uh, causing possible injuries. Yet everything else is like if it's an unsafe, you know, non basketball play. We think they should people be should should be suspended for other things. I try to think about rules changes or like like I do uh, a lot of things. If this sport existed and you were trying to add new rules. You would never add the charge the way it is. <laughs> yeah. You would never say, oh, yeah, it's totally cool that a guy can come in who's not involved in the action and could take away the offensive player's uh, ability to drive to the basket just by standing there. Yeah. And that's a foul. I, I think that that's silly. But but this one in particular, no, we got to do better. Yeah. Does any of this have to do with who it was? Because if this was like Anthony Davis or if this was Kyrie Irving – is does the league look away? I doubt it, and I I hate to say that because you know just feels bad to say it, but it's it's true. If that was Anthony Davis that had his wrist broken, Jonas Valanciunas is probably looking at a ten game suspension. Yeah, I, I can't argue with that. Yeah, well, listen, it's different for the upper class. We all we all know that. That's right. Uh, we got to talk about the Jazz because they just won't lose anymore um last week or earlier this week on the ding trevon edwards had a just ridiculous prediction he said he thinks they're going to win 27 in a row 
Yeah, I heard that. Okay. Now, I'm going to just say it. I think that that's nuts. But also, mm-hmm. I think this team is good enough to do it. And when you consider, well, if you look at like the way that they're winning, it's not just that they had a hot shooting night. They, they were 13 of 40 yep. last night from three. Right. They win on both ends. And this is the kind of team that could win a title. Now, they beat the Clippers last night, 114-96. No Kawhi, no Paul George. This Clippers team, without those two guys, has actually been really competitive. They, they won, uh, I think they were on a four-game winning streak coming into this game against the Jazz. Uh, they had looked really good. I, I'm loving, loving Amir Coffey for this team. I mean, just so much talent, even on the two-way guys. It doesn't matter who you are. They could have had Paul George and Kawhi last night, and I still think Utah is winning this game. They're just that good. So, yeah, yeah, even without Mike Conley, I mean, they still have enough guys that can come in and score points. Uh, Royce O'Neal has been very good for them. He's one of the guys that doesn't get named a whole lot because you do have, like, Donovan Mitchell's obviously had a great season and Gobert and Bogdanovich and Ingles. But, yeah, I mean, Royce O'Neal's been great. Jordan Clarkson, sixth man of the year candidate. I mean, they can they can just bring it every night. As far as you know, them possibly going on a huge winning streak. Here's a stat I just randomly stumbled upon about them this year. They've lost so they've lost five games. In those five games, their opponents have shot forty seven percent from three. Hmm. So basically, to beat the Jazz, you have to shoot what like forty five percent from three. So you have to be on fire from three to beat this team. <laughs> this team's covered. <laughs> I think 19 of their last 20 games. Like, they're winning by double digits every, every, every game. So, yeah, they're, they are right now locked in, an absolute juggernaut. Well, they have, you know, Jordan Clarkson is like a top 10 player right now <laughs> coming off the bench. That's insane. Uh, there's not much drop-off when you go from Donovan Mitchell to Jordan Clarkson, and there's not a lot of teams that, that have that luxury where you have almost a sixth starter coming off the bench who can do just about everything your starting point guard can do? Yeah, don't tell Kevin Arnovitz, but there's not a big drop-off between Jordan Clarkson and Mike Conley. Like, you know, those guys yeah. are so talented and so good and all playing so well. And then you got Gobert and Royce O'Neal kind of handling the defense uh, for everybody. And it's, yeah, well, I mean, what they're doing right now, I, like, I, I think we're allowed just to enjoy it and be like, this team mm-hmm. is just crushing people and, and it's awesome to watch. Without without getting worried too much if they can take down, you know, like a Lakers in the playoffs. But right now, yeah, they're at the peak of their powers and a lot of fun to watch. You know, I've been making this mistake. I've been making the mistake of of couching my compliments of, of the Utah Jazz and saying, man, they are so good, but the Lakers are going to yeah. stomp them, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know that the Lakers are going to stomp them anymore, even at full health, because we're seeing them beat every single type of team. They're now doing this. Mike Conley's been out. For, for a bunch of games, and they're still on this run. I think the Utah T- Jazz are not only playing the best basketball in the NBA, I think they're the best team in the league right now. And and I'm saying because, you know, if Anthony Davis is healthy, I don't say this, but Utah is the best team in, in the NBA right now. Like, I think that they should be for sure favored to get to the Western Conference Finals against the Lakers. We need to see what's going on with Anthony Davis's Achilles because if he's if he's going to be healthy, I think the Lakers are there as well. Um, but Utah for sure is looking like they're one Achilles away from making a finals run. We wouldn't have yeah, thought that last I, year. 
Yeah, I think a lot of people were high on them last year and then were kind of let down by the season that they had just because I think everybody loved the mix of bringing Bogdanovich and then um, also bringing Mike Conley in that trade. And then they kind of let down a little bit, but they've been better this year. And I think they have better depth than they did last year. You bring back Derek Favors, who's a guy that is kind of a glue guy in the locker room for them. And that those kind of things help. And this team has been through a lot. That's been chronicled uh, through the bubble and then through what happened in the offseason. I mean, a lot of people were saying that one of Rudy or Donovan Mitchell is going to be gone. And they were able to stick that out. They were able to kind of build those relationships. And as cheesy as that sounds, like those things matter, especially when it comes to playing basketball together. I think what Andrew said is right. This is kind of what was expected last season. I mean, maybe not to this point of being like the most dominant team in the league, but as a Grizzlies fan, I thought the acquisition of Mike Conley was the perfect missing piece. And then then Mike Conley kind of, you know, underperformed last season for most of the year, but he's playing well and Jordan Clarkson's playing well. And like some people like were, were criticizing them trading you know, like several second round picks to get Jordan Clarkson last year. And like they were, they, they, tr- they criticized, you know, like the kind of all in move for Mike Conley. But right now they're, they're reaping the benefits of those acquisitions as everyone's playing so well together. All right, guys, as we wrap up, I'm going to run through the rest of the games for the night. The, the Magic beat the Knicks. And, you know, look, the Knicks are a great story and they're a lot of fun. But the Magic can do this sometimes. Terrence Ross had 30. Julius Randle, all star or not, Keith? Uh, we just did our all-star selections on Fast Break Breakfast this week, and he was not selected by anyone on the show. Apologies. Boo. Fans. No, that's awful. I think he's an all-star. He's at least an all-star in my heart. Uh, the Hawks beat the Celtics 122-114. to 114. Uh, Trey Young, absolutely insane fourth quarter in this game. He <laughs> winds up with 40 points. Um, look, man, when this guy's cooking, it's the closest to Steph Curry cooking. And they, yeah. to me, they play completely differently. But it's the only guy that I've seen get hot like that and, and just scare the hell out of you. Yeah, Brad Stevens talked about him after the game as if he were an unsolvable puzzle. <laughs> I mean, it was really something. Uh, Boston even hacked Clint Capella, for crying out loud, during this game <laughs> because they couldn't figure out what to do with Trey Young. <laughs> I mean, look, this is this is why I was higher on the Hawks. Let's see if they can pull it around. I, I still think they've got a chance to make the playoffs. The Sixers beat the Rockets 118-113. Joel Embiid with another ho-hum 31-11-9 game. Uh, look, should Jackson Frank, our good friend Jackson Frank, be forced to do all of his Zooms from bed now, Keith? I mean, it was a great play by him to get the national attention from Doc Rivers, to get his name out there, to raise his Q rating. I think it actually showed kind of a path for other bloggers, mm-hmm. writers, people covering the NBA to maybe, you know, start putting more interesting backgrounds in the Zoom calls. So, like, mm-hmm. it, it grabs the attention of the coach, and then the coach calls you by name. I think that's the path to success for a lot of aspiring NBA writers. Yeah, please, no one. Do it from a toilet. There's already too many people on TV clearly broadcasting from their bathrooms. Uh, (laughs) Let's not do that. Uh, The Pacers beat the Wolves in overtime. And I got to tell you guys, I was really nervous for the Pacers because obviously they've been scuffling after their hot start. Uh, But the Timberwolves are an awful basketball team. And that would have meant something completely different for Indiana if they had dropped that game. They come back. They win it in OT. Demonis Sabonis, 36-17, 10 assists. Is Sabonis is an all-star, right? Like, I know that we stopped talking about him because the Pacers haven't been good, but, like, Sabonis has still been good. 
Well, yeah, he should be an All Star. He was he was incredible last night, even against this Wolves team that really I mean they pushed him and they've got um, they've got Towns back in the lineup, which is very helpful. And Edwards, who was not good last night, has been picking it up some. So and and Rubio too showed showed a little bit of life the last few games. All right, we got to break up the Bulls. 105-102, they beat the Pistons. Jeremy Grant had 43 points. Zach Levine led the way for Chicago, 30, 37 points. Zach Levine, also an all-star. Uh, the Bulls have now won two in a row. And, Keith, I've been making the pitch that Zach Levine needs friends because he needs to be going out this offseason and recruiting guys to come to Chicago. They they have the, the marquee city. They have the marquee star. They're playing competitive basketball. Who does Zach Levine... Who is he friends with? Who can he get to Chicago? Oh, that's that's an interesting question because I feel like John Morant should be friends with Zach Levine. And I feel like that might be uh, a friendship that could have a lot uh, of future success. No, I don't, man, I don't know. Like, what is the answer? I think that's like the perplexing question for the Bulls. It's like, what's the perfect fit for Zach Levine? I mean, Zach Levine's putting up these just wild numbers, a 50-40-90 season, and he's shooting, you know, tons of threes every game. But like, what's what's the perfect compliment to him? I mean, I don't. Anthony Davis, right? Like that's that's what they Jimmy needed. Butler. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I, I but I hope I hope they do something, man. Like that team is they're fun, and and I'd like to see them be fun and actually competitive. Uh, the Warriors beat the Heat in overtime. Okay, another game that I thought I thought this one was done. Steph Curry was struggling the entire game, and then you know turns into Steph Curry late. Um, Steph Curry's another guy, I think, that at this point, as the seventh seed, we we should be surprised and we should all be very impressed with what he's doing. He's putting up numbers very similar to his unanimous MVP season. I'm not willing to say MVP because they're not winning enough games, but I also feel bad holding a bad roster against Steph Curry. Andrew, tell me that I should just ignore that. I mean, listen, you've got experience with it. You had Russell Westbrook with the triple-double MVP on an eight seed. Should should I drop my standards and say Steph Curry is officially an MVP candidate? He's been spectacular, but I, it's hard to... I mean, how many people do we talk about as in the MVP conversation? I think should be... I don't know if he should be there, but he's had a really good season. My, uh, my MVP conversation, my list goes longer than Dave's all-star teams. So that's oh, oh, I guarantee, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's getting into like, hey, fourth team All-NBA here. Um, all right, that's going to do it for today's show, folks. Don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Athletic Podcast Network. No dunks. We've got the Athletic NBA show. Go check out Fast Break Breakfast. It's a really good podcast. Keith gets really great guests. Uh, he did a good one with uh, Ben Golliver a, a couple weeks ago that I, that I enjoyed quite a bit, reminiscing about the bubble. I listened to that on a, on a long drive, and it was great. Uh, go to theathletic.com slash daily ding. Sign up if you're not already a subscriber. It's $3.99 a month right now. It's a really great deal. It's cheaper than coffee. You know, blah, 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 blah. You know the deal. Go to theathletic.com slash daily ding and sign up. Uh, for Andrew, for Keith, I'm Dave. Andrew, take us home. Ding, ding. <laughs> <laughs>